0: Again, that's Macy's.com slash Own Your Style. Host Nora McInerney is back for season two of The Head Start, Embracing the Journey, a podcast from Ruby Studio and Abvi In each episode, Nora has real conversations with real people living with chronic migraine to see how they took action to understand this disease. So jump into the conversation for season two, a show that creates a little more space for empathy and understanding in such a complicated world. There shouldn't be so much hesitation around asking questions and asking for help. So don't wait. Join the Head Start, embracing the journey, and learn a little more about life with chronic migraine. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids to a classroom? Homes.com knows that these are all the things that you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's all so you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com, we've done your homework. In every pair of Tacoba's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Laugh
1: a Ek Little food for your soul Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful beautiful Laugh a little more things. Tight, tighten up your
0: core things. Ek. You're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. As promised, we got Trisha Yearwood here, so. How's it going? It's good. Life yeah, it's good. It, she has on the cutest, I know this is a podcast, you can't really see, but she has on the cutest little leopard jacket that you I can't want. can't see this either, but check this out.
1: The okay. inside, the interior, is like this little floral, floral situation. Mm-hmm. So Johnny like, was. Okay. You can have it. You can buy it. Like, you can't have this one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I can go find it. I will give it to you, but I just need to go home and find something else to wear. For and buy. Yes, yes, yes. No, I, don't,
1: I don't know how you get ready in the mornings, but I dry my hair and put my makeup on, peripherally looking around the room and my head going, all right, what am I going to? What am I going to do? And I just, it's weird. I have no idea. And then I'll just come across something. And nine times out of 10, what I've, like, I know there's a t-shirt I can get. I got got, like a black tank I can stick under that. And I just saw this hanging from the dry cleaners. And I was like, that's what I'm working it around today. That's the wardrobe. Mm Mm-hmm. But a lot. I mean, I don't have a plan ever. And because I do so many things where someone else dresses me, it's kind of scary to dress myself because (laughs) it's like they're so good at it and they're carrying the right everything and I'm not.
0: My friend, she helps me. If I have like a work event, she's a a stylist, but also a friend. And so she's helped me. But day to day, I feel like I really struggle. But she's like, I should just come over and we should put you some outfits and we take some Polaroids and then you just kind of keep them. Because I forget like what goes with what. And I'm like, why is dressing so hard? I know.
1: But here's my thing is that I have the same friends who are asking me that they want to help me organize my closet. It's a big walk-in closet, but I'm a Virgo, so I'm a perfectionist. So I love things in order. So I do love that. But then Mm -hmm. the downside of that is because I like alphabetized all my CDs back in the day. So I'm that girl. But then when something gets out of place, then I'm like, I just like, I ruined it. Like I, my rainbow of colors in my closet, I moved that orange shirt and now it's all ruined. You know, I'm that girl. So it's kind of a nightmare.
0: Like what are your freak out (laughs) moments? I feel like you've got so much going on yet. You're always like so together. So it's like, hmm.
1: Yeah, I think for me, it's it's that, you know, my husband and I both are so busy and we also we are together as much as possible. So we're together a lot and we take turns like it just whatever needs to be done gets done. So the like loading the dishwasher, for instance, is one of those things that like he will be like, just leave it. I'll get it in the morning because he gets up before I do. He makes coffee. He's like the morning guy. I'm not the morning girl. And I go to bed and sleep better if the kitchen's clean. Like if I know that, that's mm, the, like yeah. it's in my head, it's cluttered. If I, so I'll have a meltdown over that, that, that like, it's like, no, I'm going to do it because I need it to be clean tonight before I go to sleep. But I also am willing to live in the mess until it just, and I'll snap. That'll be, it'll be like the, you know, the office has been a mess for six months, but today's the day that it's got to mm-hmm. get done. Cause I can't stand it another second. And then I'm great at it. I will get it done and it will be purged and cleaned and starting at zero again.
0: Yeah. I can, I can do that. Sometimes if I have that breaking point, I'll be like, I'll just look at my husband and I'll be like, we need to set a timer and just do a 10-minute PU which I don't know if I learned – I think I learned that from my sister. She would do it with her kids, but PU stands for pickup time, like a 10-minute. Let's just see what we can knock out in 10 minutes. That's a always nice feel, idea. I just always feel so much better. I'm like 10-minute – like we don't have a lot of time or just something feels off about the day. I'm like, let's just pause, 10-minute PU. And it always – PU sounds really weird when I say loud, <laughs> but it out loud, but it always feels better, which I don't know why it's weird. I mean, I'm sure people listening too because they know – you and Garth and your lifestyle. And I love how also normal y'all are. And you talk about it and you're like, yeah, I I do the dishes like (laughs) the closets. Cause I'm sure some people like have this vision in their head of like superstars. Like y'all just, that you just have someone in your house. That's like, Always doing everything for you. I'll unpack your bag. I'll do the dishes. I'll do the dishwasher. Like that. I'll dress yeah. you. I'll do your makeup. I'll do your, like a Mariah Carey situation. Like I'll carry you in the, <laughs> here's your umbrella.
1: Like I don't know. I mean, we, we already are spoiled rotten by everybody who does so many things for us. But I think in our in, in there are things that we just, feel like we should do ourselves and want to do ourselves. Like Mm -hmm. I don't want somebody else doing my grocery shopping for me. I like to go to the grocery store and get it done. I don't always, and you know, I, I don't always love it, but I, it's a necessity. So I, I've always done those things for myself and I remember being asked one time years ago somebody recognized me in the grocery store and was like I don't can't let you do your own shopping and I'm like well how's her gonna eat like, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> yeah. like this is what we're gonna have to do and and we do have somebody who comes in and cleans the house occasionally but I am so like I feel like it's not her job to do my laundry it's not her job to clean my dishes so I, I, I do I feel like it's my job to clean my house and when she comes in it's like the deep clean stuff like the stuff that like the floors and the things that I don't have time to do but I don't think it's her job to have to pick up after me. So I think that's just how I was raised.
0: Yeah. So th- things that, you know, obviously having someone come to your house every once in a while and clean, and then you, you go into the grocery store yourself, like being able to be as well known as y'all are, but you still get to do normal things. Like I'm sure that's something that you're still grateful for. So I'll just use this as a transition into you sharing four things that you are grateful for. That's something that a lot of guests do on here. It's just maybe it helps us learn a little bit more about you um and gives us just insight into what you're thankful for in your life because that's what brings true joy, is gratitude. So. Amen. I agree. I mean,
1: the first thing that comes to mind when you say that is that I'm grateful for my life, you know, because Garth and I, we do actively practice gratitude and we discuss how lucky we are and how grateful we are for the life we have. Um we sit outside a lot we have a our house is on a hill and we overlook nashville and um we sit outside almost every night we did it last night he he was he was um out of town he got home and it was late and we still sat outside for a little bit just to kind of have that time where there's no cell phone and there's not you're not on your computer checking your email you're just sitting outside um overlooking the city and it never fails that we we acknowledge out loud our how grateful we are for our lives and that we don't lead we don't take it for granted and that we know that we don't lead lives that first of all are anywhere near close to the way we grew up so we know that we're you know that the advantages that we have because of the industry that we're in that has been so good to us have allowed us to have that view you know so we talk about it a lot and i think it's it is why you it's important to remember because on a daily basis someone is in in this industry trying to help you make your life easier you know, oh, I'll do that for you. You don't have to go do that. I'll pick that up. I'll, You know, and you have to continue to be the person that does those things yourself to, to stay grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, we also have the vo- voices of our parents in our head, you know, which, are, which were very grounding. You know, they very much about taking responsibility for yourself and doing things yourself. And Garth is very much that guy. So I might be more likely to let somebody else do for me, but he's always like, no, you can carry that bag. I'm like, you're right. You're right. (laughs) Thanks a lot. (laughs) So that's definitely, that would definitely be uh, on the list of of grateful. Um, I'm grateful for the, you know, the other serious thing I would say I'm grateful for is family. You know, I, um, my sister is my person Mm -hmm. and um, she and I are now, you know, when you're, when you, we've lost both of our parents and when you're when your first parent dies, it's a it's a shock to the system. It was my biggest fear in life. And then when, when I lost my mom, my sister and I had this, it's this weird feeling you can't explain until you, it happens to you where there's no one in charge. Like you're now the high, you're near now at the top of the chain, like we're it. And she's always been my person. So Beth is my sister and she is my cheerleader, she's my counsel, she's my person that I want to share things with. I mean, I'm married to the love of my life and he is my guy, but there is a bond with my sister with family that um that is just really rare and special. And now and and then marrying Garth and marrying into a family of free girls, I was you know, I didn't have any children. Um I'm so grateful for family. I I inherited a family that I didn't even know I needed. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't understand because I wasn't really I never had that biological clock. I never was that girl who was like, I need to have a baby. And so when I married Garth, I had these three little girls that were in my life every other day. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Like, I didn't even babysit. Yeah. And um, I learned uh, quickly that I I didn't know how much I needed them in my life. So I'm so grateful for um, family because at the end of the day, that's really what it's all about.
0: How old were you when you lost your mom?
1: Um, I was 48, so I had her for a long time. Um, uh, she, my dad passed suddenly when I was 40, and uh, my mom had cancer, so it was a a long process. But the last couple of months of her life, I lived with her. My sister and I lived with her. I moved moved to Georgia and lived with her in the midst of my crazy life. And I did have a moment of I can't do this, and then I had the second moment of There's no other way. I have I'm gonna, to. Do I'm going to be there. Mm-hmm. And it was even though she was passing and we knew that she was not going to get better. We had really good time and we had a lot of laughs and it sounds crazy, but until you've been through it with someone, you don't realize how valuable that time is. And even though it, you know, we all knew how it was going to end. Um, my sister and I still talk about it when my, you know, my mom was at home and when she passed the moment she passed, my sister and I high fived over the, over the bed because Mm. we were like, we did this, and we did it the way she wanted it done, mm-hmm. and it was as good as 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 going can be.
0: Yeah. And my sister and I experienced something very similar with our mom, and we were at her bedside when she passed away, and I, I, I can understand the high five. Um, and I think anybody else listening, again, if they've been through it, that's the only way you would understand, especially because when cancer comes in and you know that it's happening or there's a hospice type situation and you're there and you're prepared and that's why you're that's why you're that's why you're there that's right. why you moved back that's right. why it was so important for you to be there um you know you're you're able to process it in such a different way to where you realize now they're no longer in pain and you did the best that you could to be the daughters that you needed to be so yeah. that high five is almost like okay she's at rest now and like we can, we can, we can carry on for, for my mom, my, my sister and I, we lay, we crawled in her little hospice bed and she was at my sister's house and we probably laid with her for like an hour and a half after she died. And I don't know if that was weird or not, I still can't decide like how, if that was so weird of us, but like, we didn't want to, we didn't want to leave her yeah. even though we were like, okay, like we had peace about it, but I don't know. Yeah,
1: Yeah. there's nothing weird about it. It's However, we all handle it a little bit differently. How long ago was it that you lost your mom?
0: Um, In October, it'll be five years. Yeah.
1: It never, I mean, we both have emotion. We're both trying not to cry here. You know, it's like you never, you know, it's a place where the grass doesn't grow back. But you learn, I think, through time, how to kind of live with what's missing. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, having lost a parent suddenly and lost a parent over time, I would say it sucks both ways. But Mm. I would definitely take the, the time that we had, I mean, my, my family and I had a really great relationship. So my dad had a heart attack and, um, I had talked to him the day before, so I didn't have any regret there. It wasn't like, oh, I wish I would have done this, or I wish I would have that, but it was just so sudden and so shocking with my mom. I, I hated that she had to suffer, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I also felt like I, you know, I don't know if you feel this way and we got down a dark hole, I guess, talking about death, but I thought I was prepared mm-hmm. because you know, it's coming and you also know they're going to be relief and you feel that peace immediately. But then you still, it. it is like when somebody says, well, she had a long life. It's like, what does that mean? I don't care if my mother, my mother was 74. I don't care if she would have been a hundred. I would have been devastated. You know, it's, you're losing someone that you, that is your person that you love. So it's, it's always hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe having that time for me, I would, she, she was, and she was graceful about it. My mom was, my mom was a rock star. Like she was, she was, she did it so well. Like if she, if you could write a book on how to die, my mother would have written the book. You know, oh she gosh. was just amazing, you know? And I think when well, maybe God has a plan, cause my dad would not have been the poster child for how to die. I mean, I think he was that guy. He was like, I, he said, I want to wake up one day and I just want to, want to be gone. And yeah. he was. And I think for, I think that that was a blessing in that because I don't think he could have endured what she did.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that you say that. Cause when we were, going through that the last few weeks with my mom which were really painful for her and very just painful for us and to have to watch her in that I kept thinking like what would be worse if she just were to have died one day along you know and we didn't have to go through this two-year cancer journey that's ending in this like such a uh, horrific way um just because I saw that I mean her the cancer took over on the outside of her body tumors were on her like so like you, to me, I was like, okay, you see, you know, you see on a scan, like sometimes how a tumor is growing and taking over. But when you see it on the outside, you're like, oh my gosh, it's vicious. Yeah. And so I was just seeing things I couldn't unsee. And like, we were trying to be her primary, my sister and I, she was single. So we have a dad, but, and he, my dad's going through cancer right now. And I will say, my mom was the epitome of grace, handled it well. My dad <laughs> Hot mess. sorry boys you guys don't do so well with those things you just I was don't saying, i'm like dad he's just like nowhere near like how my mom was it's crazy but um but it's fine we're still it's like when your husband gets a head cold i'm sorry it's yes. just the way it is still loving it loving my dad through this i he doesn't even listen to this podcast so i guess i can say whatever i want shout out um, he's listening this day I know. i'm like this will is... be the day i'm gonna see what amy's up to was on. I'm, I think I'll finally listen. Um, so, yeah, but i I it's interesting that you say that and I, it's comforting to me knowing that you've um you would choose having more time. And so now that makes me appreciate the time I had with her more because that was something when you're going through it for whatever reason in a morbid way, that's that's a thought that comes to your mind. like yeah. could this just have just happened in yeah. a car wreck? Um, because it wouldn't be as painful as having to wake up every day this last week of hospice and her just like, when is her last breath? Right. Right. And,
1: and you know, our, I mean, I know we just, this is such a deep subject, but you well, know, our like we're so can people can relate. I, I mean, our, our, our will, our body's will to live is so strong, even when we're dying, you know? So it's like my mother was, she was so great, you know, and she, she, would go to sleep in the last couple of days and she'd wake up and she would just like let out this deep sigh. And i like, mom, are you hurting? Do you want morphine? And she's like, no, I'm just like, when she decided she was ready to go, she would just, she just didn't, she just didn't want to wake up, you know, and she'd wake up and she'd be mad. <laughs> she's like, I'm just still here. Mm-hmm. I'm just ready to go. And I'm like, well, I can't like, I can't, there's nothing I can do about that. Um, it's amazing how much our, it, which is all, which is it, which is encouraging to me for us as I think about my health all the time and how I'm not always doing a lot of times not doing the right thing for Garth and I talk about this a lot about what kind of old people do we want to be. And if we really want to be healthy old people, we have to make some changes and we have to do different things. The cool thing about our bodies is that no matter how much you abuse your body, when you take care of it, it responds and your body wants to heal, it wants to be healthy, it wants to be good to you. Mm -hmm. So that's it's just a cool thing to witness and and i witnessed that and how much it holds on even knowing that it has to let go
0: yeah well you know i mentioned my mom was in we were my sister's house and we kind of turned my sister's master bedroom into the little hospice area and like people were in and out friends and family coming and going when you mentioned that it made me think of like her she lost consciousness like a couple of days before she died um and so there really wasn't any communication but she was alive and she breathing. She was there. But probably one day, about 40 friends and family gathered. And the worship leader at my sister's church came over and brought a guitar. And we all just like gathered around her because we knew that's what she would love. And we sang some of her favorite hymns. And um, one of her favorites is All Fly Away. And we all just started singing that. And she responded. You could see her, you know, and the hospice nurse kept saying, talk to her. She can hear you. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, she has not moved in, like, 48 hours. Right? She cannot hear me. Talk to her. Um, you know, but her grandkids are coming in and talking. like We were encouraging them, like, just so that they could have their moment with their grandma. And then some people were even judging us for that. Like, my sister's kids. My kids were still in Haiti at the time. My mom only got to meet my kids on FaceTime because they didn't make it here in time. But um, she like some people, it's weird how people always have an opinion about what you're doing. And my sister's like, this is my mom's grandkids. And yes, she is on her deathbed, but my kids are going to have to experience death. Right? That is part of life. So please during this time, do not judge me for having my kids come in here, but they, kids were in there when we were singing and it was all part of it. It was just like special moment. And her body was responding to it. Like you could see her, um, like Move like certain movements were happening, and it was crazy that we were witnessing that. Yeah, because her body was responding to the music. Yeah,
1: it's pretty amazing. I think also when you go through something like that, you kind of grow up fast in that you learn you stop really that filter goes away of really worrying about what other other people think. Mm -hmm. It's also a really beautiful thing about getting older. I don't. I'm 54 years old, and I'm like proud of it. And I don't. I'm. I mean, I would not go back. I mean, I would love to be younger physically I'd love to not have to think about wrinkles and old age and that my knee hurts when I play basketball or whatever but I do love the being comfortable in your own skin that comes with getting older and um and those life experiences are things that you you know don't ever choose to go through but they they shape you into who you are and they make you realize what is important and what's not and what you need to worry about and what you don't need to worry about
0: yeah that's wisdom right there
1: you're young but you you get it because you've been through it
0: (laughs) i've been through it but i mean i feel like yeah younger people might be listening to where it's like i feel like yeah when we are as we get older we realize like "Mm, okay what what's important to me how do i want to be i don't need to worry about right it's also important
1: i think as a older person because we have you know our daughters now are in their 20s and i look at them and think sometimes like why aren't they just like why are they doing this or why are they not making this decision and I have to remember also that when I was their age, I didn't I I didn't know what I know now, and I and I thought I knew everything, you know, mm-hmm. and that I made a lot of mistakes, and I also made a lot of good decisions that other people didn't think I should make. So you kind of got to let them be who they're going to be. You know, we've kind of done the work of teaching them as young girls what we think is right and wrong, and the kind of citizen to be and the kind of person to be and they're good girls. And now it's up to them. Now they have to, to fly and make their own decisions. And, um, I, as a parent have to let that go and let them do that because we prepared them. Well, they're going to, they're going to make their own mistakes. They're going to make their own really good choices too.
0: Yeah. So when we started this whole part of the talk, we were getting into gratitude and I was going to have you do four things. And I think that we covered two just now, but we're going to yeah. break it up and we'll get to the other two in the next thing. But so we got you just your life in general was yeah. the first thing you were and thinking family. for and, and then second was family or was that was that mm-hmm. together? Mm-hmm. That was one and two. Okay, so we will be back to cover more things that you're you're grateful for. Okay. I kind of like where this is like going. I feel like learning more about you and other people are getting good life wisdom. Second thing. From the first thing to this thing, we were kind of having an off-air conversation, everyone in the room. And it made me think about when Gwyneth Paltrow lost her mom, Chris Martin, Coldplay, wrote, that's when he wrote Fix You. Do you know Coldplay's song yeah, Fix You? yeah. The song is so... Yeah. Powerful. I didn't like, know that was why. That uh, makes so much sense. When it was either she lost her mom or her dad. Uh, her dad, because I think her mom's still alive. Anyway, doesn't matter. She lost somebody in her life, and she she was so broken, and he didn't know what to do. And it's like. When you're the spouse, I feel like my husband, literally, he has known my sister and I since we were young. Like he was, I married him because he was like best friends with my sister. So he knew my mom well, he knew us. So it's almost like he was having to manage both of us and then her husband and they're like, what do we do? Like, what is happening? And I just, you know, you were with Garth at the time that you lost your mom. I don't know. What about when you lost your dad? Yeah,
1: we were, we were planning a wedding. We were getting married um, in December and that September my dad passed. So he, we were planning a wedding, and we actually I was gonna I wanted to call the wedding off. I wanted to move. I wanted to wait. Oh wow! Because my dad had passed um, in late September, and we were getting married December tenth. And Garth was like, "Your dad was so happy and excited, and I think we should keep it and do it." And I'm so glad we did because you know I was just worried about like my mom and my. I just thought I don't know. I didn't. I didn't want to be working on a wedding dress. I didn't. I just didn't want to do anything once my dad passed. But I'm so glad we did because it was it was a a real kind of coming together of all the people that loved us, and it's definitely something that he was so for and so excited about. So that was 2005, um, and so so Garth, and also you have to remember that Garth and I have known each other since 1987. So Garth has known my parents forever, you know. So he knew both my mom and my dad, and then when he lost his mom who was really his cheerleader. I mean, he was definitely would say he's a mama's boy. I mean, that was his person. I think my mom became like a mom for him. So he really did love her. And he was my saving grace with her. He was my saving grace with my dad because I was in New York getting ready to walk a red carpet when I got the call that my dad had had a heart attack. And I was like, and he was not, you know, I was not, he was not expected. So it was a really traumatic event. I had to get out of New York and I had to get to Georgia. And I just knew if I could get to him that he would take care of me and he, and he did. When my mom, uh, when I said, I'm going to have to, I'm going to move to Georgia. I thought my mom was going to be about a week and it was two months. So it was amazing. I mean, she actually, after she got off chemo, she got better. You know, she got that poison out of her system and we had some really good time, but he basically moved in with us and he went back and forth to Oklahoma. Our girls were still in school. He had things, things he had to do, but he was with us a lot. And she had this um, little house that, and we set her bed up in the living room And it had a loft upstairs that we slept in every morning when I would sleep on the floor next to her bed at night, but he would sleep upstairs in the bed and he would get up in the morning and look over the railing. And when she would see him, she would light up and he would just put his arms in the air every single morning. And so he, he made that experience for her great. And for me, great. I I can't imagine again, going back to family, how important it is to have those people that, um, are there. And my sister was there. We took turns, you know, so in the small town we were in, it's like going out to just get out of the house for a while was going to Walmart, you know, and it was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go to Walmart. We did each other's hair. We bought box hair color and did each other's hair. Um, and I mean, it, it was like my sister's turned out really good. Mine did. <laughs> I did a really good job on her hair, um, but we had, so, but we, and we laughed a lot. I mean, my mom had such a great sense of humor about it all. And, um, and, and, It was just, it was, it was, again, it was, it was time that I, I think I blocked the things out. They come back to me occasionally that were not good, that were hard, Mm -hmm. but mostly just think about the things that we share that were so good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that about, about Garth and just him being your rock. And I just wonder if he had any fix you moments, because I feel like that's the mess, the emails or the notes that I get from people a lot is like, you know, my friend or my significant other or whatever, they're going through this and I don't know how to be there for them. And so I think, um, like for me, and I don't, I don't know if you would say the same thing, but really it's like, you you can't fix it. You can't, there's, you can't fix it, but you can be there. Yeah. And I think for Garth and then for my husband, like for us, like they were just there. They were present when they could be. And like for my bin, if I was having a moment where I needed to completely just freak out on life and just like scream and have my moment of like confusion. Cause it was so hard and taxing and you're tired and confused and frustrated and angry. Right. Um, but also trying to like soak up all the good times and like, there's so much emotion happening, but he just stayed steady with me and he was firm and he listened and he didn't try to fix. He just listened. Yeah. And so Um, and then for you, like having Garth comes, you know, live there with y'all. And then every morning, like cheering in the morning when he would wake up, like putting his arms in the air, like that's just like being your rock, being your support.
1: Yeah. And I think we all need that in our lives, whether we're married or not, you know, to have somebody that, or have a a tribe or a group of people that are your people. Um, and it's hard to know what to do. I mean, I I know a lot of times, a lot of people will say, let me know if I can do anything for you, which Mm kind of gets them off the hook. Like I, I used to do that all the time. I'd be like, like, if there's something I can do, let me know what it is. But basically, I don't know how to help you. So unless you ask me for th- something, I'm probably not going to do anything. And I don't know what you need. So uh, my Mandy's here. You can't see Mandy, but she's my friend. And a friend of hers had lost a lost um, a parent or a spouse. And we were talking about this. And I was telling her when my dad passed away in and, and Georgia, you know, everybody is covered dish. Everybody brings food. And I said we had a, a couple that were my parents' best friends who they just they didn't ask what. What do you need done? They just showed up every day. They took the trash out, like things that somebody like you're just not thinking about, like that stuff. Like so, just my advice is to just think of something you can do, and if it is just to be there to listen, because I can't tell you anything that's going to make it better. I can't fix it. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that I've been there, so maybe I can. I know what, where you're where you're at because I've been there. But I but you got to go through it, and it's it sucks, you know. And but to have somebody there that can. Just listen or just look at the thing that needs to be done. Like if like they're like taking food is such a southern thing, but it's such a nice thing to do for people because you're not thinking about making a meal for your family when you're going through that. And I think the just your friends and family just taking those reins and just doing rather than being having to be told what to do is also such a nice gift.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah no, I like that you brought that up because that's another thing. And you're right, I've I'm guilty of doing it too to get off. Maybe just maybe get off the hook. It is a way to get off the hook. You do probably do have good intentions. You do. But it's when you say something like, "Okay, well, let me know if you need anything." It's like, "Well, yeah, when you're going through that, you're probably you're not thinking of all the things that need to done. They just need to get done." Yeah. When my mom was at my sister's in hospice. And again, we were invading her house and she had four kids, but like her, she had a good network of friends that would just show up. They would start doing laundry. They would start cleaning up after people. They would ask if anybody was hungry, if they could feed them, they would take the kids, yeah, <laughs> take the kids somewhere away um, for a little bit. So yeah, I think just that. being intentional, I think that's a good reminder for me and for anybody listening is like, if you know anybody going through anything, if you want to be there, sometimes you just Maybe just do it. Yeah. Okay. So, so far, gratitude wise, we've knocked out just the life that you're thankful for and family and that trinkled into this just now. But I wanted to kind of, I just wanted to see, you know, what your thoughts were on that and how to be there for people. Cause I feel like that's a question I get a lot. So let's get into third thing that you're thankful for.
1: I want to lighten up a little bit, although it might make me cry anyways. I, do- <laughs> dogs came to mind, you know, um, because I'm big into animal rescue and, um, it, you know, it kind of happened by accident growing up in the country dogs wander up. So you end up being a rescuer because you're just picking up something off the side of the road. That's going to get run over. If you don't pick it up, you know, and in Oklahoma, um, we probably had my most prolific rescue because I was just, we were in an area that a lot of dogs got dumped. And so I ended up with a lot of dogs and if I didn't find them homes, I ended up keeping them. And, um, it's just kind of become part of my heart. I've always been that person when I was growing up. Our, um, our dad, would not let the dogs live in the house. Like they were outside dogs and we lived in the country. And so I was like, when I get my own place, my dog's going to sleep on the other pillow. Like I am going to, this is, you know, I was going to be the complete defiant person. And I was for a long time. And then I married Garth. Garth's a dog should be outside person. Oh no. So our compromise is that the dogs have beds in the house, but they have to be on their beds. So if they get off their beds, they have to go outside. And at first I was like, you know what, I'm going to like, I'm going to like, I'm going to work him over. But I also really, he was, he, he was so raised where dogs were in the house at all, that to have them in and on their beds is like a big compromise for him. And what I learned is, it's awesome because they, if you come to my house and you want to s- sit at my table for dinner, you're not going to have a dog trying to get your food. You're not going to have, you know, a dog flying around the furniture and dog hair everywhere. They, they. If, and they and they love being outside too. So we have a fen, big fenced-in yard. So when they're inside, they're on their beds, and they're the most well-behaved dogs. And they get to be in, and you can go over and play with them, and pet them, and do whatever you want. But but um, they're in now. I will say, when Gar's out of town. There on the other pillow, but you know, oh. <laughs> uh, now we know. <laughs> I used to think he didn't know. And um, I know that now he does know. So um, if, you know, when he hears this, he won't be surprised. I think we're um, good. I don't think
0: Garth listens <laughs> to this either. Garth and my dad, they're not listening. <laughs> they're hanging out right now going, what? Um, All your secrets one, are he, safe. He was in the
1: studio one night just in town and I had the dogs in the bed and it was late and I knew he was going to be coming home, but I knew he would usually text me and say I'm headed that way or whatever. And. He didn't text me that night and um, he opened the bedroom door and like dogs are in the bed. I'm in the bed. He's like, I knew it. And I'm like, and I just did that. Yeah, of course they are. They're my dogs. They can be in the bed with me if I want them in the bed with me, you know, and then I got them out of the bed, of course, but it's like, it's just, it's a thing and it will always be a thing. Um, But he loves these dogs. Like this morning I got up to come see you. He had gotten up early as he does. He'd made coffee and the dogs were inside. they were on their bed. They were asleep. And he's like, they've been so good. He goes, I'm going to go back to bed and take a nap, but I'm just going to leave them in here sleeping because they're just sleeping so good.
0: Do you have any dog rescue groups that you work with in particular? Or
1: I started doing these tailgates um, in, ahead of Garth shows in on the stadium tour, and we were talking about charity elements. And I do a lot of stuff with Habitat for Humanity, which we do stuff with them. But also I thought, would it be cool if in every city we could shine a light on Adopt, Don't Shop and really try to, to – to get people to be more aware and more focused on if you want a pet, go. There's plenty of pets that need homes. And so we started partnering in every city that Garth does a show in with the local shelters through the Humane Society of the United States. And it's been really cool. So far, um, I just found out last week that two little puppies um, in Pittsburgh got adopted. So so far, we'll bring a dog in and do coffee talk with them. You know, my little yeah. show I do. Yeah. And um, I at first I said no, don't bring a dog in because I'll I'll take the dog home and I can't have another dog right now. <laughs> but we have adopted out. Someone has adopted out every dog so far that we've put on coffee talk, and then it gets people to go to the shelters. And so that's the goal in life is to just try to get more people to. Um, if you want a pet to um, to go and go to a shelter,
0: check out your local yeah
1: check shelter out your local like
0: shelter. wherever you're listening right now. And that's a great thing too. Like if you happen to know any vets or other ways or friends that might be involved in rescuing or yeah yeah. Just and it, it's a commitment,
1: you know. Mm-hmm. And there's never you know it's one of those overwhelming things. You're never going to be able to save every animal and all of that, you know. But um, you do what you can do and. You know, I never try to push. You know, every time I've picked up a dog on the side of the road, I've always been like, "Oh, great, cause it's a commitment, you know, And it's like I call everybody I know and try to give away a dog, you know, but I don't ever push because if because it's a commitment to ask somebody to take a dog mm-hmm. um or a cat. and uh, and so, but it's it's a great thing. And I will say, having had rescues for many, many years all my life, they're the best dogs. They're the best. Yeah. And I, I love cats too, but I'm, I'm really a dog person. I've had cats, but I'm, I'm a dog. I'm a, I'm a dog rescuer, I guess. Um, they're they're the best. I think they know. I think they know they've been rescued and saved, and I think they get it, and they're just good dogs.
0: Yeah. I hope people will definitely, if they're considering getting a dog. You know, I'm a cat rescuer that I had to return the cat, so whenever that comes up, I feel like a <laughs> horrible person. <laughs> but I we had rescued a Rottweiler. And she was great. And I thought she would get along with this cute cat. And I was living in North Carolina, mentoring this kid, Trevion. And we went and looked at kittens one day that were up for adoption. And he was like, I really think you should get this cat, Miss Amy. And I was like, oh, Trevion, you're so cute. Like, I should probably get this cat. So I don't think my husband was in Afghanistan or something. So I was like, he won't know for like two months. Like, I could get this cat. Why well, go home. So we rescue the cat me and my 7th grade mentee and we go home and my dog Josie my Rottweiler is not having it like at all <laughs> it it was bad like i had to lock the cat in the room like away from the dog they couldn't coexist so it lasted about a week, and then I had to call back the people that I got the cat from. And I was like, can I return the cat? Because it's safety. Like, it's life is at risk. I'm With, you're really saving the cat was, by bringing it back. I'm saving the cat. But I was like, <laughs> I felt so horrible because you went in. And so I will say that is sort of a PSA, too. Like, know your environment. Don't act off emotion. Like, because then you're, you know, I mean, it was a week and it was a kitten, whatever. So, but it definitely... It was it was disruptive, and I wish I had never done it because it hurt, and I still think about it to this right. day, and that was years ago, and I feel like such a horrible cat rescuer. But <laughs> Josie was glad when I took the cat back, and I had bought a bunch of toys and food, and I donated that back, and I said, whoever gets this cat gets all these toys right. and all this food. I also
1: think, too, a lot of times, like with dogs and cats, it, you you know pretty quickly— if they're gonna be able to get along or not?
0: Okay, so now we got through. I think we made it through a third thing that you're thankful for. <laughs> Sorry, I can't dogs. stop talking. We, is, it, is it still today,
1: or we do it tomorrow yet?
0: <laughs> no, but I mean, I I like where that went. Um, so we'll get we'll go into the next thing, and that's where we'll tackle all the cool stuff that you have going on. But that I and I want to hear the fourth thing that you're grateful for. So we'll we'll head into the next thing real quick. We'll be right back. So, then shop for grill master things. If your dad loves to golf, then you can go to the gift list that is for the golfer. I mean, really, Macy's has thought of it all. If you have a tech-savvy dad, voila, Macy's Gift Finder. Again, has you covered with that. Top gifts include Beats headphones, JBL portable speakers, Nintendo Switch, and more. Top brands such as Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger, Polo Ralph Lauren, Columbia, and more. Really, Macy's has it all, so don't be a last-minute shopper. Father's Day is June 16th. Make sure to check out macy's.com slash gift finder to find a unique gift they'll love. I don't want to waste my time taking vitamins that aren't really going to do much for me. Like, I want research. I want to know, like, hey, this is actually doing something for my body. And Ritual knows this. That's why they conducted the research. They've done clinical trials on their Essential for Women 18-plus multivitamin. The results... start ritual or add essential for women 18 plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash four things for 25% off from searching online to asking your friends and family. There are a lot of ways to look for jobs, but have you considered finding your next job through a staffing company? Your local express employment professionals team is your one connection to endless job opportunities with just one application. They can help you find a job at a company that fits your needs Visit expresspros.com and as always, Express never charges job seekers a fee. Express knows when companies are hiring, offers benefits and competitive pay, and in just one interview, they are prepared to present you to multiple companies who fit your needs. Express Employment Professionals places people in all kinds of jobs, including everything from customer service to warehouse jobs to accounting and IT roles. Let Express help you. And remember, there is never a fee for job seekers. Go to expresspros.com to get started and discover for yourself what it's like to have support in your job search. You can also start through the Express Jobs app. Download it today to search jobs, apply, and contact your local Express office. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Takova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. Now, the best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you're gonna be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Visit Tacovas.com. that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all. Okay, so, so far on Trisha's gratitude list today, we've got just, you're thankful for the life that you've been given, Um, you're thankful for family, and dogs, so what's the fourth thing? Um, Coffee. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I know that maybe sounds
1: like it's a a, a light topic, but... um, it's really a deep story for me. <laughs> okay. I mean, I love I love coffee. I mean, I really do. I, I've given up coffee before. I did one of those things where, um, uh, you know, in church, they have you do the, like, give up something for 30 days that means something to you, like the Daniel Fast. I don't know if you've ever done the Daniel Fast, but you're supposed to basically give up something. In our church, we did it where you gave up one thing that was just really would be hard for you to give up. And we're sitting in church, and Garth is, like, getting fidgety, and I'm thinking wonder what he's thinking about giving up. And when we got in the car, he's like, I know what you're thinking. Don't give up coffee. Please don't give up coffee. Like, I just don't think you can do it. I think it's just really, I mean, he was really just worried about me, like giving up coffee. And I'm like, but there's nothing else I can think of that to give up that would be as hard to give up as coffee. And that's the whole point of this entire thing right. we're doing. So I, I quit cold Turkey and, um, I drank coffee all day and, uh, I had about two days of I didn't really have the headaches. I had more of like a fog, like I slept a lot and I wasn't able to really complete a sentence. And I was really, really foggy. But then when those two days were over, I was good. And we had gone to the grocery store a couple of days later and Garth had run in for something. I waited in the car and he came back and goes, man, you're a rock star. He goes, I ran into a guy from church and he said that he tried to give up coffee. And after the first day, it was really tough. So he called the preacher and the preacher said, just like wean off, you know he's like, you quit cold turkey. You're just, you're amazing. You're a rock star. And I gave up coffee for the 30 days. And it was like, I felt great. Cause also it's, I put, you know, my coffee is doctored. It's a lot of cream, a lot of sugar. So I also had given, basically given up sugar, which is probably as equally important. And I felt great. And I actually didn't drink coffee. I was like, I'm done with coffee. And then my mom got sick, which we've talked about. And I moved to Georgia. And I'm like, I'm drinking coffee. <laughs> like, right. yeah. I'm, I'm drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. And I got back on it. But for me, it's such a ritual. It is it is the caffeine that wakes me up. But it's also this ritual of when I was a kid, my mom drank coffee. And that was her thing. So she was a school teacher. we'd get home from school in the afternoons at you know 3.30, she would pour herself a cup of coffee. And she'd just sit for a few minutes. Because she was going to have a home-cooked meal on the table by 6 you know, every night. So she'd just take that little time for herself before she got into whatever she was cooking for dinner. Which is amazing to me. I can't imagine you know, oh, having yeah. a meal on the table every night at no, I mean, six o'clock and a job. Like... like I don't even know how she did it, but she did. Yeah, um, never one time did she go. I don't know what we're having for dinner. Like never. Like we and we didn't live in a town where you went to the, a fast food place. We didn't have a fast food place. She made dinner amazing. Superwoman. Um, so when I was a little kid, I want to drink coffee with my mom, and she's like, "You're not going to drink coffee." So she would, she would pour. Um, a cup that had maybe like just the bottom of the cup covered with coffee and the rest was sugar and milk. So it wasn't even warm, you know, and it would be, it was almost white, but it was me getting to drink coffee with my mom. So I think it's, for me, it's, it goes beyond the caffeine rush, which I can definitely tell if I don't drink coffee that I need a cup. But I also, it's just that ritual. My, my me time in the mornings is a cup of coffee and whatever book I'm reading in a quiet corner for just just so I get through that one cup. Maybe so it's maybe I get a chapter in or two chapters in of whatever I'm reading. It's kind of that time that's mine before everything starts. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's something that I cherish. And I love all I'm not a coffee snob. I love fancy coffee, but I also love plain regular whatever. I don't care. I'm not I don't if it's coffee, I'm good. Like I don't need it doesn't need to be French press. I don't need to grind the beans. I don't need to, I don't need to know what region of the world it came from. I mean, I just need it to be coffee. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So what's your Starbucks order?
1: Um, it's a latte with just a, just a regular latte, full, full milk latte. Sometimes if I'm crazy, I'll get a couple of pumps of vanilla. If Mm -hmm. I'm crazy, like if I'm shooting the cooking show and I know I'm going to have that lull in the afternoon, I'll get the couple of pumps of vanilla.
0: Yeah. So how often are you, do, do you shoot, do you shoot? All your cooking shows, like in it, a, like a, say there's a season, do you knock out all those episodes at a certain time or how often are you filming? A season
1: is um, for the network is 26 episodes, which is a lot to film for me because I have other jobs. You know, I don't just do the cooking show. Right. So we break it up into two seasons of 13 at a time. So I shoot 26 a year, but I shoot them in 13 episode blocks. So I call 13 episodes a season. And it takes about three weeks to shoot a Thirteen episodes, so I have to block that time, which is really hard for me with everything else I have going. So, I think Food Network would love it if we shot a lot more shows year-round, but we just don't. I just this is what I can do, and I and and as a result, I enjoy it because I'm not doing it every single day. It's intense. I mean, it's you know 8 8 a.m. to six p.m. pretty much every day. I'm an executive producer. I'm also a Virgo, so I'm very much like I'm in edit mode right now of season fourteen, which is airing right now and we're in pre-production for season 15 which we're going to start shooting in a couple of weeks. So I'm I'm in the middle of and I'm in story production, I'm in recipe development. I do all of that cuz I'm so controlling. Yeah, And if my name's going to be on it, you know, it's got to be me. So I'm doing all of that um while um, getting ready to release my first album in a long time. So um, so that's
0: requiring lots of coffee. There's a
1: lot a lot of coffee <laughs> happening right now. I feel now. like that's an appropriate fourth
0: thing to be thankful for. Yeah. It's definitely the coffee. Yes. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, coffee time with your mom or, quote, coffee time where she would kind of give you something to have that time with her. But she also would cook every night. And I we were both kind of in awe of that. Like, you're even telling me. And I'm like, I'm in awe of that. Even, I mean, my mom, she's a single mom, but working and, we just didn't have that. But my husband's mom was like that. They had family dinner at the table, similar six o'clock. Everybody's home. We eat together. And so our dynamic is a little bit different now that we're married and we have kids and I'm working. And I felt like he had this expectation of me to like, and I'm like, well, do can you cook? Like, (laughs) I mean, we're both trying to like do our best to make that happen. We don't, but I feel like mealtime, like as a family is so important whenever we do get the kids to get like, we're all together and we're home at the same time and nobody's traveling and it's six o'clock and there's a home cooked meal and we gather around the dining room table. That's just when we have the most like connection with our kids. Yeah. And it it is
1: one of those things. I mean, I am not that kind of mom or wife. I mean, I have a job and I have my jobs different every day and I love to cook, but I can't do it every day. So Mm -hmm. I don't do it every day. Um, my dad was a great cook, too, so he cooked on the weekends, which was nice, gave my mom a break. But um, but I think for us, with our girls growing up, and especially when they were older and were starting to drive and doing, you know, they all played soccer, so they'd have soccer practices. Getting everybody around the table gets more challenging the older your kids get, too, because they, they have all these activities so and they start doing it. And so I started doing this thing. I was trying to get more vegetables in our diet, and I started this thing called Veggie Night at our house. And it became this – I didn't realize it was going to become this really cool thing, but it became this thing of, like, roasting carrots. So if the girls were home from school, it was helping peel the carrots and get them chopped up and, like, helping with the prep of all the vegetables. And then mashed potatoes is a vegetable, so it went with it And they would that, – that was my signature, like, that's how I won over these girls was mashed potatoes. Like, they would eat anything if I had mashed potatoes with it. So – they would get excited. And as they got older and as they started doing things on their own, I would just send a, send out a text and say, it's veggie night tonight. And they would be at that table for dinner. Ah,
0: and I so love that. it
1: became, and we did, our, and you know, we, we, they, they loved the, the food that we made. Sometimes Veggie Night had meatloaf. Garth liked meatloaf. <laughs> I was
0: about um, to say. Like, <laughs> sometimes it was meatloaf. <laughs> anytime I've I tried to serve my husband a vegetarian meal, because I went vegan for a little bit when I was trying to get pregnant and it never worked. But, like, he would literally come home after, like, a long day flying and, like, in the Air Force and, like, come home and, like, open up a beer and, like, want to sit down. And I was like, here's some kale and some sweet potatoes. And he's like, where's dinner? And yeah. I'm like, you're looking at it. Yeah. So, yeah, so sometimes your veggie night would have meatloaf. Sometimes it would, yes. But
1: it was that that was around that table was so important. It was where these great conversations happened. It's where you couldn't have your phone at the table and you had to really focus on being together as a family. And um, I know as a kid, you know, it was easier for me probably as a kid because I grew up in a small town. There wasn't anything to really go do, although I was involved in every after school activity there was. Um, but getting us around the table. And those are some of my fondest memories of childhood is sitting around the table with my parents. Um, And that's when maybe there's, you don't think there's anything going on, but all of a sudden somebody will say something that needs to be discussed at the table. And I think it's really important for families, especially with kids to, to find ways to make that time. And if you find some meal that everybody loves, especially when your kids get older and they're in high school and they're really busy find that thing that they all love and then just go, this is what we're doing tonight. And they'll they'll be there.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. I kind of, I even got goosebumps when you said, <laughs> you know, you just pick, find the day and then you would send out the text like, Hey, it's veggie night. Cause I'm even picturing the girls like getting that on their phone or whatever. And being like, it's they veggie night excited. and yeah, they, they get like, they want to go home and they want to be a part of it and they feel included. And I think it's, that's another important little tip. If we've got parents or soon to be parents listening, or one day you're going to be a parent. This is something you can stick in your back pocket of like, I've learned with my daughter and I never thought she was going to be like this. But when she gets in the kitchen, once she gets into it and she starts helping, she has a sense of pride when she gets done with something. And it's, it's really been good for our relationship. And, you know, we can't do it all the time. But I could imagine me maybe implementing something similar to what you're saying. Like, I love the idea of like, it's veggie night. Like, this is the night we're all gonna gather together. And, you know, uh, hopefully one day, I'm stealing your idea. Do I'm it, basically. do it, do I'm start it. That's doing what it's that. for. That's like, what it's for. And then for. I'll be like, don't worry, honey, we can still have meatloaf. <laughs> 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 we're calling it veggie night. It's okay. Trisha says it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then just to wrap on on this segment, since we're talking food, like, I guess I'm curious too with having, you know, Southern Kitchen, like, a cooking show, and, like, if there's ever pressure expectations, like, if you're having people over for dinner, like, you and Garth just want to, like, have some friends over, do you ever feel like, oh, you know, I have a cooking show on the Food Network, like, I got to deliver, like, what's your go-to meal, like, if you're having friends over that you, you, that you... First of all, do you feel pressure because of that? Or do you just have something you're so proud of, you know, it's going to kill it. So that's what you make every time.
1: Well, I'm quick to say, if you come to my house, be like, look, I still screw up food. Like, or, or I might not cook. Like I, I, we might have pizza, you know, it might be like that we order out. So I, that's what the only time I feel guilty is like, I think if people come over, they expect, Oh, well, Trisha's probably cooking. It's like, well, maybe Trisha was like doing interviews all day and she's not cooking tonight. You know, Gartha also has some pretty cool. Items up his sleeve. He makes a really amazing pasta salad. Um, so sometimes I'll be like, "I oh, got nothing," interesting. and he's on it. Um, my go-to comfort meal, like if I want to impress you and serve you the ultimate comfort meal, I will make you roast beef and mashed potatoes and gravy and homemade biscuits and okay, bacon-wrapped asparagus. That's my go-to. Well, I'll be right over. Okay, okay. like, when, like I mean, what's happening? Yeah, like <laughs> Mandy's to some- here. <laughs> Mandy's not on the air, but yeah. Mandy, one of my favorite stories about Mandy, and I think I even wrote about her in the cookbook, is that. You know, when you're cooking a roast beef, it's hours and and it just makes the house smell amazing. Mm -hmm. And she would come over to the house and walk in and she'd smell the roast beef cooking and she'd be like, oh, and then she's like, I'm going to go back outside and come back in. And she would do it like two or three times. So she was like, I just want to go outside and then come back in and and smell that smell again. You know, so it was always, it always like made me feel good. It was like applause. Yeah. No, I bet that does like
0: feel pretty good. No, that's, um, I, I imagine some people that watch your show, do you ever have some friends that are like, Hey, can episode, episode four, (laughs) that meal, can I come over and make that for me? Or what do you do with the food that you make? (laughs) We eat it. Okay. Well, yeah. (laughs) We
1: have a we have about a thirty person crew. Okay, yeah. And usually we're shooting before lunch, and they're holding the cameras and they're salivating, you know. And so we'll, whatever we make and we taste, we'll put out on the craft table. So we have a catered lunch brought every day, but we always put out what we make, you know. Yeah. And uh, everybody gobbles it down, you know. So there's not there's not enough for thirty people. So if you get there first, you get to taste whatever we've, we made that day. Mm-hmm. And we usually have more than one because if you're making like a casserole you got to have one that is a swap out of the oven because you're not going to sit there for an hour while it bakes, you know. So, so there's a second one that's already made that will come out of the oven. And then they have these things called beauty shots. So they've got it sitting on a table beautifully lit and they take a shot of it. So there might be like, you can't eat that yet because we haven't shot the beauty. But once the beauty has been shot, then you can eat it, you know. So um, I learned when I did my first cookbook, you know, I've done a lot of things now where they take pictures where for magazines where you're holding like a turkey and then they're spraying it with like, you know, Windex or something to, to make, make it, it glossy, shiny, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. So <laughs> when I did my first cookbook, I interviewed some photographers and the the guy I hired, his name's Ben Fink, and he shot all my cookbooks. I said, what do you do? Like, how do you shoot the food and what do you do with it when you're done? And he's like, we shoot everything in natural light. We don't, we don't do anything weird and we eat the food. You know, like we eat it. It's, it should be edible. And I'm like, you're hired. So he shot, he shot all my books and we, um, we make the food and then we, um, in the first cookbook, my mom and my sister and I made like all the food for the, for the, for the photo shoot and had to be in the shot. So we're in full hair and makeup, like getting the, getting the fried chicken done so it can get shot, you know? And, um, it was a scramble, but it was really and a great memory. Um, and yeah, so, so I, I like, I'm a fan of that, like just make it pretty, but eat it.
0: Mm-hmm. Eat it. Okay, good. Well, I'm just curious if you had, if ever had leftovers. <laughs> There's a 30-person crew. They're good. There's not really leftovers. No, not really. No, no, no. Well, my my mom and my dad were both amazing cooks. My dad was a restaurateur, like, growing up, had – ended up in eating, you know, like, franchise stuff. When I was little, little, had, like, his own restaurants and, like, the menus. Like, we were in the – like, my mom had a cheesecake, and on the menu, it was, like, Judy's Cheesecake, and then my sister was Christy's Garlic Fish, and I don't know, it was like Amy's Beef Tips or something like we were like, I don't know. My name was like not that appealing. And for so long, like I was like the vegetarian in the family. Now I I'll eat meat. but um, Amy's Lame Entree. I was entree. like, yeah, this is, I was like, mine sounds disgusting. But anyway, I do, no pressure, but I do have recipes up my sleeve. If you ever, you know, need a co-host. Well, I'll your, take some. Not a co-host, some. I'll but a, um, a guest okay. on your all right Good to know. Show. I'll come show you what's up. I mean, you probably would make it w- way better, but it would be their recipe but it would definitely be comfort foods. I do want to say
1: we're talking about food that what you just said is like your family recipes. I encourage everybody, Mm -hmm. even if you don't have a publisher and you're not releasing a glossy cookbook to make sure you write those recipes down and have them and pass them down. My mom, um, when we did the first cookbook was right after my dad had passed. And, um, there were so many recipes, like the like the cornbread dressing we make every Thanksgiving that is life. Like, that's my favorite food on the planet. I don't yeah. know why we only make it once a year. Um, it was in her head. And thank goodness we did a cookbook because I said, you need to make it and measure so that we know, cause, you know, and you can't just tell people to cook fried chicken until it sounds right. You have to give them like a time limit. Like, it's all these things. And I'm so grateful now because my sister and I, we carry on that tradition. And in a way, the, the books and the show are really just kind of therapy for us. It's a, she and I do a lot of episodes together mm-hmm. and my mom and dad both had really great recipes. And for us, it's kind of a way to keep them with yeah. us, you know, by making that food when you make that food they made and it tastes like theirs. Um, it's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. We're in that same sh- I'm so glad you said that. I need to call my sister because her and her husband, they just opened a coffee shop in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. So cute. It's called root house coffee. And, um, my mom's cheesecake would go great right there. Yeah, Ju- Judy's cheesecake, and they it would be on do the menu it. just like that, just like that. Put but, Judy's cheesecake on the menu. Well, Judy only wrote it down like once, <gasps> and it's in like her weird cursive, and like half of it's ripped. And my sister had never. My mom, she was the only one that ever really made it, and so my sister was like, I haven't ever fully made it, and all I have is this one copy that we found stuffed in some other cookbook of her handwritten and the page is ripped. So she's got to figure out the last few things that are missing the, the proportion right. um, of what is supposed to be done. And then once she figures that out and perfects it, she is, she's going to put Judy's cheesecake she on definitely needs to. the menu there. And if you need be, help with that.
1: Like, let me know and I'll help you. And I won't. I like. I don't want anything for oh. it. I'm not going to put it in a cookbook or anything, unless you want Judy's oh, cheesecake but, in a cookbook. Well,
0: but, oh, that was, like, I <laughs> which we can totally do. That. Like, but I mean, it's so it's so good. Anybody that ever had it was always like. In fact, when my dad closed down, my parents ended up getting divorced. But and he had named the restaurant Christopher's, which was my mom's maiden name, and it was in Austin, Texas. Anybody shout out if you've ever if you went to it um, back in the day? But um, yeah, it was always. And then like I had a teacher in high school. And the restaurant was open when I was way young. But my chemistry teacher, and I didn't do that great in chemistry, you know. But I guess she, she ate there. When she found out that my parents had owned it, she was like, wait, Christopher's? That was your? I said, yeah, well, that was my mom's maiden name. My dad, real sweet, named it after her, like, her last name. I was like, but they're, my parents aren't together anymore. The restaurants closed, blah, 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 She was like, mmm, that Cheesecake. That Judy's cheesecake, See? and I'm like, yeah, but we are already baby out of the showers, class. You could have gotten some extra credit. Oh, I maybe. think I did get. Good. I think it did help. Should have. It did help. <laughs> then I got, um, you know, any baby shower, wedding shower, anything. She was everyone. That was the big request. Is like, is Judy bringing her cheesecake? And so, yeah. Now, I mean, you're just you have to do. You're affirming it. that we've got. You to, have like, to do it. Make that happen because it's a way. Food is another way to keep a legacy going. It totally is.
1: It mm-hmm. totally is. My dad made. My dad was in a small town. Like he would do, they would do barbecue chicken fundraisers for the Kiwanis Club or the school or whatever, and my dad was would be part of this team of men who would cook these chickens. And when people were going to buy the tickets to the barbecue, they'd be like, "Is Jack Yearwood cooking the chickens?" You know, so he was mm-hmm. kind of famous for that in the town, and he made this amazing Brunswick stew, which is a vegetable beef. It's several different kinds of meat stew that is very southern and different in different regions, but his was special and very unique to him. And when he passed, he you know we the recipe was for feeding 200 people. So to put it in the cookbook, the first book, we had to, we had to hone it in and really, you know, narrow it down to feed a family. So my mom did that. And then we taught my sister's boys how to make it because it's like, this is a tradition that you're going to want to keep going. And um, that was one of the things that my mom wanted when she was sick was like, she'd go through phases and she went through a Brunswick stew phase and I'd never made it. And now I can make it with my eyes closed because I made it for her a lot. And I'm so grateful too, that I, that I made it because it, you know, it's that was a really famous thing of my dad's, and to be able to make that and continue to make that is such a such a wonderful thing. I love it. So do it, do it, do, do it. it. Judy's cheesecake is gonna happen. It's happening. With Amy Brown.
0: <laughs> okay, so for this thing, I want to talk about your current single, which is called "Every Girl." Every girl And kind of just girlfriends in general and just encouragement on how important having girls in our life. Like you have your girlfriends on your cooking show and your sister is, you know, your everything on your coffee talk. You've got them in and out. And so what role would you say? Like, how do you, as busy as you are, it's not what role, but how do you maintain friendships as busy as you are.
1: Yeah. I think I, I think sometimes I'm good at it. I think sometimes I'm not, you know, I think it's, we all have, um, such busy lives that sometimes we're more connected than other times. And the great thing about girlfriends is it feels like no matter how much time has passed, you pick up where you left off. I mean, I have friends from college that I don't see every day, but, um, but it, when I we talk, it's like no time has passed, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, so I think it's almost like, it's almost like when you have girlfriends, it's like you have this club, you know, that supports each other. And, um, it's so, it's so important. I've been asked a lot about, you know, the big topic of conversation right now is, is women on the radio and country music. And yeah. What's kind of been cool to me to see is when, because, because we're struggling because it's a conversation we're having to have, it feels like all the women in the, in the, in the country music industry have become closer than maybe we would have been if we weren't struggling. So almost like you're seeing all I'm seeing all these, you know, mutual love fests on social media every time a woman releases a single or an album. It's like we're all just cheering for each other. And I don't know that we would have been doing that if we weren't if we didn't feel like we were kind of in something together. But I do think it it's kind of a testament to the power of girlfriends. It's that it's that I know what you're going through thing that really, you don't get anywhere else and you know all your relationships are important your relationship with your spouse is important your relationship with your your family your kids but that girlfriend relationship to have somebody that really is uh non-judgmental and really has your back and just can listen mm-hmm. is something that you need to always have
0: yeah i think when you bring up to you know girlfriends aside but just supporting girls and what they're doing, like, especially in this industry, I host Women of iHeart Country, which, you know, is a new show on iHeart stations, iHeart Radio, wherever, if you've never listened to it, you can. Um, But they're, you know, we only play female artists. And sometimes it's like, you know there's some people that are like well why are you why don't you have a show where you just play guys I'm like well that's radio just turn it on <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we have that already <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it, me being you know a female and having the honor to host that and then go through the list of songs that we're playing and we play throwbacks we play currents and um, we play you know people you haven't really heard of yet that are on the rise, but not even really current, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is it is awesome because I do see the all the girls that I'm playing and the women that I'm playing. And, you know, you mentioned social media. I do see them all having more of a stronger support on, on social. And I guess that's where we see things these days. Mm-hmm. But it'll be like if one of them does something, like you see comments like, this is so – amazing, like fire emoji. Like you're so hot, 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 And I think there was maybe a time where even some of these same girls before this empowerment really kicked in, there was some jealousy and like just being in the industry, I saw some of that. And cause it, you know, and it's some, maybe they're younger, but you I've seen with kind of like you were saying this recent, like, let's, let's stand together. Let's support each other. Mm-hmm. Like that jealousy has stepped aside and it's like, that's not going to get me Anywhere, like we don't need to be jealous of each other. We need to do what we can to support each other. And when you can celebrate another person's victories, that's when you know, like you're comfortable with the art you're putting out, right? With what, with, with your projects, with your songs, with your brands like with what you have, whatever it is. Maybe you're not an artist listening, but you may ha- maybe have some competitive stuff. Is like, sure, we're all going to maybe be competitive in what we're doing because it's the drive, it's the nature. But like at the same time, you can still have that drive, but still be super supportive and want to empower and lift up other women that are just trying to do exactly what you're doing.
1: Yeah. And I think in in business, like in in where I think where people can really relate is that whatever your job is, you're probably if you're a woman, you're probably you're the minority at your work. There's usually probably a lot more men in your job. And so I think sometimes we get pitted against each other and you feel like, well, if there's only two women in this office, I need to get mine because I need to make sure that I'm getting the promotion or I'm getting this. And the other thing that we do as women that that we need to that is is bred into us that we need to stop doing is we compare ourselves to other women on every level. You know, we you look at the next girl and go, "Well, she's prettier than me or she's skinnier than me or she's got this and I don't have that." We have to stop doing that because that's when we get into jealousy because we want something that we don't have and so we it makes us feel better if if she makes a mistake or if there's a flaw in her, it makes us feel better about ourselves. And that's not a good thing, you know, that we have to take a look at ourselves and go, we can't we can't do that. So if you're in a business where there what we what we need to learn is that if if you do well and I'm in your in the same office, you are, then we all do well. You know, we we do need to support each other. And I do like to see that. I think you're right about the, the women in uh, country music that I've seen. There doesn't seem to be, and maybe it is because we do feel like we're in a fight. Mm -hmm. There doesn't, the jealousy is, is it doesn't, we don't have time for that. You know, it's like, I've
0: seen it kind of, I I agree
1: with you. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of cool. And it, it doesn't mean that we're not competitive. I think for me, you know, releasing a single after 29 years in this business with really no expectation of what, what would happen because, um, I'm a woman I'm 54. There's a lot of reasons why I shouldn't get played on the radio, you know for that for those reasons. The, to see the response that was so positive for every girl in this town, I got so much love from other female artists mm-hmm. that it was it, it it was like a really cool moment of like, wow, this is we really are all rooting for each other and it's made me really pay attention and and vocally root for the other girls out there that are doing things because I want us to be this community of women. It's pretty cool to see.
0: Well, and it's ironic too, or fitting more so that your song is an anthem for girls. <laughs> so yeah, so, yeah. so if just for anybody listening that hasn't heard the song, like share with what it means to you and what the message means, every well, girl. When I heard
1: it for the first time, I didn't think, I don't remember thinking, well, first of all, I didn't know what that there would be a single. I had no expectation of making this whole record. Um, I just liked the song. I liked what it said. It spoke to me. It spoke to that little girl in me who um, was five years old and wanted to be a singer. And when you're a girl that young, you don't know yet about self-doubt. You think you can do anything. You, you The world is before you and you have these huge dreams. It's when we get older that we start to doubt ourselves and start to say, here's why we can't do these things. And so I, that first lyric about being at top of the Ferris wheel and looking out and wondering what, you know, having that big dream, I just so related to that. So I, I love that that song speaks to us as, Going for our dreams But then I I love There's several lyrics You said you had some lyrics probably have the same ones I love the lyric Of when they try to Hold you down under that water mm-hmm. Come up baptized baby Let it make you stronger yeah, I love that, I that lyric Because it's Really talking about Taking the problem Whatever it is And transforming it Into a positive And then my favorite line In the whole song Is you got this baby So what if you don't Because that lyric To me is I just got goosebumps <laughs> We get You know we all have The coffee mug That says you got this Right But But and most of the time we feel like we're maybe on our A game or we're doing well or whatever, but we also have those days when we don't have it together and somebody needs to tell us if that's also okay. Right. It's okay to be who you are, whatever that looks like. And that means sometimes you're on your A game and sometimes you're a hot mess. That's all okay. That's who we all are. We're, we're in such a, you know, we're, there are women who are really championing being yourself, but there are there have always been, since I was a little girl, these images and these expectations of what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to look like and how we're supposed to act. And um, we see the best side of people on, you know, on magazine covers. You see the best side of me. You're going to see an airbrush picture of me you know, on the <laughs> album cover. It's like you're do you're showing your best side. But we also it's important for me to know that people that I admire also
0: have bad days. Yeah. No, I love it. When you were talking, I was trying to think of this Robin Roberts quote that we just were talking about. Chase, what was it? We were make just.
1: Your mess, your oh. Ma- oh, yes. OK,
0: that's it. So Robin Roberts um, from Good Morning America. I, I mean, but all all kinds of things. Um, But currently, Good Morning America. She, her mom um, used to say, make your mess your message. Boom. Now, that should be on a bag or a t shirt. Right? Or I know. On. I was, well, <laughs> we were thinking, you know, the four things totes that we have been yeah. Like, that's why I was looking up. So I'm obsessed with Robin Roberts slightly. Um, and I haven't, I haven't gotten to meet her yet. And Bobby's of course like met her twice or maybe even like three times now to where like when she sees him casually, she's like, Hey Bobby. And I'm like, Hey, like over here. And he knows that like, I've like wanted to meet her for like years. And just the other day he finally said next time I'm on good morning America, he's like, you should go with me. And I'm like, okay. Like, what, what, what took so long? Like why? I mean, you know, I'll be cool. Like, I'm not gonna, I'll be cool. Like, I'll just stand there and, like... She's amazing.
1: I know. She's amazing.
0: I know. (laughs) So, anyway, Chase, who's in here right now with us, too, can't see him, but he went to visit Good Morning America a couple weeks ago and was, like, hanging out with people there. And then I check his Instagram, and he's, like, with people that work there, and he's, like, you know uh, selfie with me and Michael Strahan selfie. And I start swiping through his Instagram and it's like selfie chasing Robin Roberts. And I'm like, seriously, is like everybody meeting her before I do like, what is happening? Like he's just been like, I don't know, raising cattle in Kansas. Next thing you know, he's like (laughs) in New York city with Robin taking a selfie. So we're, we were talking about how, anyway, he has those friends there. And I was like, Oh, well, I, just because I love her, and I would love to like give her, I want to make her a custom tote with her favorite four things, and that's what I was. I was researching. I really try to research the person and think like, what would they really like on a tote? But make your mess. Your message was more than four things. Like it's too long, It doesn't fit. But I love make I your love mess. It's that. like such a good. Like we all have, oh, we all have a mess. Everybody does. Everybody does. Like yeah, even Trisha, even Garth. That's right. Well, no, Garth doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) He's perfect. Just kidding. (laughs) One of the four things,
1: bags you made me just said Garth, 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 (laughs) Garth on it, which also is my mantra, so it works out.
0: So we did that because we gave you the one with like, you know, legit favorite things of yours, like coffee and rescue dogs in Georgia. But um, then uh, I think you had it on Coffee Talk and Garth was on with you that morning that you did it. And he, you, he said, you said something like, "Guess my favorite four things," and he was like, "Well, Garth or whatever," and you were like, "Ooh, that's, that's not on it." <laughs> <And> okay, five <laughs> things. <laughs> I think you said something like that to make him feel well, better, right like on you're with the a sharpie, he, I, yeah, something like that. And so after we saw that clip, I, we just jokingly were like, "Oh my gosh, like we should make her a tote that says Garth, 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 because then, boom, it's taken care of. He's your favorite four things." Done. Well, you know, you inspired
1: us for our cruise uh, sweatshirt this past season. I always do something for them, and this is their favorite one so far. And we did. We we took. Um, you helped me with this, but mm-hmm. we did. Um, food friends. Um. Nashville. Nashville mm-hmm. TSK-14. So they got their four things um, sweatshirts, and they freaked out. They're the they love your they-
0: little... Um- the neck tag was my favorite part yeah. because it said XOXO Trisha. Yeah. That like, that was your inside. idea. That was
1: fabulous. It was fabulous. They, they, I'm not saying I love that part because yeah. it was my idea, <laughs> but it was a great idea. And they, I mean, it really like <laughs> this season going into next season. I don't know. Cause like, I don't know what to do after that. So we'll have to see. Oh. I might just give them like a stapler or something. I don't
0: know. Oh, well, <laughs> Hey, no, just email me. We can figure out something different and fun. Like right. that's little projects like that are so fun for us. And like, I'm, I'm glad that they like those four things. And, um, Hopefully, Garth carries his Garth tote everywhere he goes. <laughs> his fourth
1: favorite things are Garth, Garth, and Garth. I'm no, Just kidding. Just kidding. He would say the Queen would be on there. What would he else? Yeah. What say? would be on Garth Brooks? Doctor Pepper, mm-hmm. M um, Ms, the Queen, my daughters. That's what he would probably have on there. Okay. Not in that order. Yeah. I, I, I would come before M Ms. I think. I'm. Well, not, I'm, it's a i don't i don't know we're gonna i'm gonna they they peanut, peanut or to, plain well they just doesn't matter it doesn't he doesn't matter. care okay. yeah but he's probably peanut or uh peanut butter or almond are his favorites mm-hmm. or any other m&m yeah actually
0: pretty, pretty much chocolate with a nut <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> like, pretty much. <laughs> she
1: much. got we need a therapist <laughs> to discuss this yeah to go through this
0: well Tricia, thank you so much for covering the the four things like I think I feel like I had a therapy session today I feel better like I feel good right now and I just want to thank you we started off a little bit like you know more serious more emotional and then we ended laughing about you know now I'm craving chocolate and nuts so I might go do that have you ever had Zevia no what is it okay (laughs) they need to now dear Zevia you need to sponsor my podcast because I talk about you all the time but um if I had had the studio ready at my house, I would have been able to serve you one from my refreshment fridge. But this is—it's like an orange. It's like stevia, yeah. so there's no sugar, so it's not. But it's supposed to be more natural, like not bad for you, like a like a diet drink. Um, but it's the orange is my jam, and it's so good. And, and I it doesn't have no aftertaste, like orange. Like orange, it's good. Orange? No, it's not like crazy. I, Rosie. I'm I just love saying. orange. Do you love orange? I do. Not, I wouldn't even say that I love orange, but I love orange Zevia. I've tried all their flavors. They too. should totally
1: sponsor you. They
0: should. I mean, I well, they hit me up on Instagram after I talked about. But I mean, I'm not even. I'm I'm a paying customer. I'm a fan. I will continue to buy their product. I don't care. I'm just. I like to let people know about things that I'm I like. I'm Try it, and this is good stuff. Like they have it at Whole Foods, or or maybe even Kroger. I don't know, but. I'll let you know don't forget who you heard about it from and I'm sure they'll call and offer you some deal (laughs) and I'm like I'm gonna need a
1: case for my friend Amy
0: (laughs) I turn on like Trisha's Southern Kitchen or whatever and they're like this episode's brought to you by Zevia and I'm gonna be like uh huh and they're gonna be like isn't that the girl that returned the cat yeah we can't do that Uh
1: Roll things, little food for your soul Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful beautiful. Laugh a little more families. Tight, tighten up your core he can't. you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown.
0: All right, this sun season, evolve your sun care with new Banana Boat 360 coverage. With Advanced Control Mist, it's a new way to spray. It's an all-new bottle for an all-new mist experience that smells great and is incredibly light on your skin. You can even customize your spray. Like, to cover targeted areas, you just tap the trigger lightly, or you can pull the trigger fully for a long, continuous spray, ensuring long-lasting banana boat protection. Plus, it's refillable. From sweat-resistant sport formula to kids SPF 50+, plus. This is sun care that'll come in handy when my kids are swimming, playing sports, when I'm hiking, when we're out at the lake, or whatever it is that we're doing outdoors. Shop Banana Boat 360 Mist at Walmart, Target, or Amazon. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Takova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they're going to last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you're going to be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. So come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you